Stop Talk Radio. This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's going on, folks? My Take Radio episode 43 for Thursday, May 20th, 2010. The music you just heard was Street Fighter II, Frets of Fury. The artist was Vertex Guy, V-E-R-T-E-X-G-U-Y. You can get that and any of the other intro music from past episodes at ocremix.org. That's the letter O, the letter C, remix.org. The call in number is 347 324 Three five four one. All right, let's start with a little housekeeping first. Um, this evening I will be joined by Lance from FilmDrunk.com. Uh, we're going to actually take the opportunity and discuss a lot of the newest and craziest things that are going on in Hollywood this week. Um, one of the things I will be discussing is the uh, Megan Fox issue with Transformers. There's a lot of he said, she said going on, a lot of potential candidates to replace her as a love interest. There's going to definitely be some of that discussed. And if you are not familiar with FilmDrunk.com, definitely stop by their site and see what they have to offer. They are uh, very similar in delivery to how I do it every week, except they're, they're a lot more vicious and they talk a lot more shit and they do a great job at it. So Lance should, make, Lance should be a great guest and um, he should be joining us by 11.30, 11.45 and we should get that popping off. So I'm going to run through a couple of things really fast just because obviously I want to allocate time for the interview. I will try and squeeze in the video game segment as well because there are some things I do want to discuss regarding that. In addition, of course, the forums, as always, are very active. There's a lot of great discussions going on. Um, forum memberships have already reached 30 members. It's funny, though, because, of course, for the 30 members that are there, there are four or five consistently active ones. Um, new posts are up this week. Uh, great articles from Slick, uh, from my fiance Andrea, from my buddy Josh. They're writing really great stuff this week regarding TV, uh, Pokemon stuff from Slick, um, movies, video game trailers, the works. Uh, MyTakeRadio.com will be undergoing an overhaul as soon as WordPress 3.0 is out. Um, there will be approximately a week of downtime, hopefully, maybe less than that. Um, I plan on possibly moving to a new hosting company so that the site can run faster. Um, that's one of the things that's been a, a bit of an issue for me. Uh, it seems that the site speed for me personally has been slow. I haven't gotten any complaints from you guys, but I just personally feel that a better hosting company will make the site better. Um, the forum is also going to go through a redesign process. There's a lot of things I don't like about this particular incarnation of the forum um, from people having to go through all the great lengths to get custom avatars and, and just w way too much uh, rigmarole to get something so simple as a forum up and running. I am looking at alternatives, so once WordPress 3.0 is released, there will be some definite improvements to the site. 
Uh, My Take Radio merchandise, I am actually looking at a couple of different T-shirt vendors, and there are a couple of different designs that are going to be implemented. Um, There is the possibility that there will be a shirt that has a yeah man, just because obviously it has its own cult following from you guys. You guys seem to have taken to that quite well, so there may be a a little bit of that on some of the merchandise. Um, Right now, I'm only looking possibly at shirts and stickers, uh, basically because, of course, this is coming out of my own pocket, and I have no intention of soliciting any types of donations or any of that shit from you guys. I want to definitely do something that I'm 100% comfortable with and 100% uh, behind. And uh, the quality of the merchandise is key, and I don't want to have really cheapo 99-cent store type T-shirts. You know, I want good... Uh, soft cotton type shirts, you know, male and female, um, of course, to uh, allow the female listeners to not get left out. Also, um, for those staff members that I've already discussed this with, there will be a My Take Radio presence at the New York Comic Con in October. It's all a matter of just getting a couple of things together and a couple of particulars ironed out. For those that are already in the know, um, uh, I will be contacting you in a few weeks. Um, For the listeners that are looking forward to that. There will be a presence at the New York Comic Con, and there may be a presence at the UFC Expo in August in Boston. So right now, you know, big things. We're trying to get it up and running. I'm trying to get some press credentials and some stuff. So just wanted to let you know about that. Of course, the Facebook fan page, as usual, um, a great hub to interact with fellow listeners. We, You know, if you're not comfortable with the forum, definitely hit up the Facebook fan page. I'm trying to put up diverse and different links talking about little little tidbits of information that don't really warrant an article for the site but definitely just to keep the conversation going on the fan page so you know if anybody else is a fan of some of the stuff that we cover definitely uh, help us get more exposure by passing the word along we'd really appreciate it that's pretty much it in in regards to housekeeping and show stuff Um, a couple of things I'm going to discuss this evening I want to talk about this past weekend strike force heavy artillery event which was surprisingly good. A lot of people were underwhelmed, but I really like the presentation. I continue to to state the obvious that their commentary is fucking awful. But besides that, the card was solid. Um, The Ultimate Fighter is going to get discussed. I want to talk a little about TNA Sacrifice, Um, give my thoughts on Monday Night Raw. We got some video game news that are coming out, some MPD numbers, of course, movie news, and our guest Lance from Film Drunk. I see a couple of uh, long-time faces that I haven't seen in a while. Uh, welcome, Johnny Boy. Shout-out to him who's in the chat, and a shout-out to Vinny. Uh, Vinny, I got your email. I have looked it over, and I will be contacting you regarding the suggestion you made for the show. So don't think I forgot you. I just haven't gotten back to you. Um, after that, that's pretty much it. Let's get into some MMA news first. And a little bit of WEC news, i got to give – Props to those guys. They actually signed a DVD distribution deal with Image Entertainment. They're going to be releasing a couple of select events on DVD. A little bummed that there won't be a Blu-ray presence, but, you know, you got to start small. Um, right now, the first one is going to be Aldo versus Faber, which is WEC 48, is going to be released on DVD. Um, the WEC vice president, Peter Dropic, said, we have very loyal fans that continuously follow us, and by teaming up with Image Entertainment, we're building a DVD library for them to enjoy whenever they'd like. 
One of the things that I enjoy about this is that Strike Force is a great um, secondary promotion. Of course, they are owned by Zufa um, along with the UFC. They have a great wealth of talent, a lot of great fighters, and not only that, but they also have a strong presence on the Versus Network. Um, again, if you've never seen these guys fight, they're all lighter divisions, most of them featherweights, um, and of course lightweights, really fast and exciting fights. If you're not a fan, these guys will definitely do a great job of making you a fan off the bat. So definitely props for, for them for actually getting the exposure. In some strike force in some strike force news, Bobby Lashley actually will be fighting on the June 16th Strike Force card. He'll be fighting Ron Sparks. Uh, Marius Zaramskis is going to be fighting Evangelista Santos, who is the husband of Chris Cyborg Santos. Um, those two guys are going to be fighting also on the June 16th card. Right now, the June 16th card is shaping up really well. You've got Robbie Lawler fighting Babalu at a 195-pound catchweight. Uh, Bobby Lashley will be fighting Ron Sparks. Uh, Cyborg Santos will be fighting Zaramskis. Shane Del Rosario is going to be fighting Lolohea Mahe, which is a, a great fight in and of itself. Uh, Mahe is a great fighter. He made me a fan really quick. Uh, KJ Nunes makes his return to strike force, trying to avenge a loss that he suffered at the hands of Charles Crazy Horse Bennett. Um, a big fan of Crazy Horse. He's a psycho. He's very much, uh, he's very ignorant, but he's a, an exciting fighter to watch. He's almost like a mini Kimbo Slice, but with a lot more hood in him. So definitely, if you're, if you're around YouTube, I would definitely recommend you check out some of uh, Bennett's fights. Just look up Crazy Horse Bennett. And the guy has great punching power. I think that him and Nunes will have a great fight from start to finish. So I'm definitely excited for that. You know, once again, it's on Showtime, and that's going to be June 16th. Um, also... Uh, Strikeforce CEO Scott Coker recently shared some plans about the 135-pound women's division. Um, it seems that right now with Sarah Kaufman being the champion, there doesn't seem to be many uh, challengers for her title, but what they plan on doing is a 135-pound tournament, um, either July 24th or 31st, as per Scott Coker, and he stated that we'll probably have Sarah Kaufman fighting on the card, and she will, of course, fight the winner of the tournament. In sticking with the Strike Force theme, um, let me actually discuss the pay-per-view event. Well, not the pay-per-view event, the uh, Showtime event that happened this past weekend. Um, I definitely want to go into a couple of fights. First off, one of the fights I wanted to see was a heavyweight fight with Kevin Randleman and Roger Gracie. Uh, Roger Gracie, of course, from the legendary Gracie family, um, a great fight. He actually just worked the jab and used his strong submission background, and he actually got rear naked choke on Randleman. Randleman is a legend. Um, he lost to a guy who's really good at Brazilian jiu-jitsu, and you had to really say to yourself that when the fight went to the ground, it was Gracie's domain, and unfortunately that's the way it went. I don't know what the future holds for Randleman. Randleman's a great fighter, um, but definitely starting to show his age and his one-dimensionalness is starting to show. I really think that he needs to um, focus more on his stand-up technique. His wrestling is solid. The guy is a beast, you know, literally and figuratively. And it's just unfortunate that he suffered the loss he suffered. His record coming in was 17 and 14. You know, it's not, it's not a very pretty record, but the guy's a legend. I, I hope that he can bounce back and continue to fight for strike force. But the performance by Gracie was phenomenal just because the guy was so relaxed. He worked the jab to keep Randleman away, and he just set it up. Once it went to the ground, it was lights out. 
Um, a fight that really surprised me that I expected to go a lot more, uh, I expected it to be more one-sided, was the fight between Smoke and Joe Villasenor and Ronaldo Jacare Souza. Uh, fact of the matter was that Souza, of course, is just legendary, and his skill is just disgusting on the, on the ground. And it seemed that he had missed weight from what I've been hearing, and that was an issue during the fight because initially in round one, Jacare had a, a great showing, and then round two, um, he couldn't put Villasenor away. He tried a couple of different submissions. Uh, Villasenor, you know, he, he figured out great escapes. He worked the groundwork really well, Jacare did, but it ended up being going all three rounds, and Jacare took it by unanimous decision. I was definitely impressed with Smoke and Joe's performance. Uh, again, you're fighting a guy like Jacare, who's just a, a great fighter in and of itself. I definitely want to see him um, fighting without the issue of weight behind him. I think that he, you can tell that he was exhausted, and he was putting a lot of energy into trying to get his submissions, and he just couldn't close it out. Um, the heavyweight fight with Antonio Silva and Andre Arlovsky was another fight that I was excited for. It was the return of Arlovsky coming off that loss to... Um, to Brett Rogers, uh, Arlovsky, a lot of psychological, it, you know, the, the fight game was very psychological for him, and it really fucked him up, people saying, are saying, and his performance against Silva was, was ridiculous simply because everybody expected Arlovsky to take the fight um, on stand-up, but it turned out that Antonio Silva worked his stand-up, and he worked it really well, and he ended up winning by unanimous decision. He actually outboxed Arlovsky, which is crazy now. You know, this puts a, a, a huge black eye in, in terms of the, the, the return of Arlovsky because he's lost already three times. A lot of people are writing him off. He had wanted to go into professional boxing, that he wanted to go into MMA, plus he, had, he was seeing a sports psychiatrist. Um, I don't think you've seen the last of him, but I think he needs to really get in with a really good camp, either Greg Jackson or um, American Top Team, uh, and, a, and a solid camp behind him and, and really try to diversify himself so he doesn't just rely on stand-up only. It's uh, very unfortunate that, you know, that's the way it went down. But nonetheless, I really hope Arlovsky bounces back. It was real unfortunate. And the heavyweight title fight was Brett Rogers fighting Strikeforce heavyweight champion Alistair Overeem. Now, Brett Rogers was coming off his loss to Fedor, and Overeem was coming off a victory over Kazuyuki Fujita at Dynamite 2009. The funny thing is that this is Overeem's first title defense since winning the vacant title from Paul Buntello in 2007. So the guy's been heavyweight champion since 2007 and didn't defend his belt here in the United States because, according to him, he felt that there were no heavyweight challengers. Nonetheless, Overeem came in. He had a dominating performance. He ended up winning the fight via strikes by just beating the fuck out of Brett Rogers. Um, he actually just tossed Brett Rogers around. Brett Rogers is a, is a fairly large man. Overeem, dominant performance. He said he wants to fight Fedor. He feels that, you know, if he's the, the, the heavyweight champion and Fedor is considered the best heavyweight in the world, it's a no-brainer that they should fight. Um, of course, Fedor will be fighting Fabricio Verdun next. And allegedly afterwards, there will be a fight with Overeem. Um, of course, a lot of steroid allegations about Overeem, given his physique. Um, he seems to have tested clean from what I've read. Um, I, I definitely, he made a fan out of me. I've seen him fight a handful of times. I thought he was all right. You know, too much of a pretty boy, but he did his job, man. He whooped Brett Rogers' ass. So 
I definitely am excited to see Overeem fight Fedor. Um, with that being said, let's go into some other MMA news. Um, Phil Baroni, the New York badass, has verbally agreed to be fighting on UFC's 118 card. Um, there's rumors that Phil Baroni would be fighting Matt Serra. I'm actually a big fan of Phil Baroni. He's a, he's a cool dude. You know, he's a, he's a New York native, and he just has that unique persona about him that just um, screams that I'm from New York. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but he, he, he presents himself well. He recently uh, went to Thailand to train. Um, I'm hoping that he's worked on his conditioning. His conditioning always, to me, seems to be an issue. Um, one of the things is the guy – the guy's chiseled out of fucking stone, but being chiseled out of stone and, and carrying a lot of muscle is good and bad, of course. Uh, obviously, the good is that you have a lot of strength behind your punches. You have a lot of strength with your takedowns, especially with his wrestling background. But as a weightlifter, I can attest to the fact that the bigger you are, the more oxygen you need. So you have to work on conditioning your lungs and your heart, especially in MMA, just because it's such a fast-paced sport. And again... Uh, Baroni's a great fighter. I, I, his, just the conditioning issue seems to plague him. His fight with Sadala, he, he took a beating, but his, his cardio looked improved. It was just, you know, he, he lost to a, to a better fighter. But I think Baroni still has a lot of great fights in him. He's 3-6 and six in the UFC, and I, I hope that he actually is matched up with a, with a great opponent. Um, him and Matt Serra would be really interesting. I don't know if that's how it's going to go. But definitely a, a fight I'd like to see, even if it's not with Sarah Baroni. He's just a great fighter. That UFC 118 card is solid from start to finish. you got Frankie Edgar versus BJ Penn as your main event. Randy Couture is fighting James Toney. Um, these fights haven't been officially announced, but as of right now, this is what they're shaping up to be. Kenny Florian will be fighting Gray Maynard. The winner will be getting a shot at the lightweight title. Jorge Rivera will be fighting Alessio Sakara, and Nate Marquardt will be fighting Rusamar Palhares. Uh, the preliminary card has some great fights, too, with Marcus Davis and Nate Diaz, rumored to be on the card. Uh, Phil Baroni, of course, Andre Winner, Joe Lazan, um, Nico Chipchak, uh, Greg Soto. Overall, I definitely want to see that fight. It's going to be August 28th at Boston's TD Garden. Of course, like I said, UFC will be having the Fan Expo, which I am hoping to attend and have a little bit of my take radio presence over there. Um, former, former lightweight champion for the WEC and, of course, a, a guest on my take radio, Razor Rob McCullough, will be fighting for uh, Tachi Palace fights on July 9th. He's going to be fighting Thomas Denny um, at the Tachi Palace Hotel and Casino in Lemoore, California. So if you're in Cali and you want to check out some good MMA, definitely check out their card. Um, show your support for Razor Rob. He's a, he's a cool dude and um, definitely going to be pulling for him in this fight. Overall, there's a lot of UFC veterans on the card. John Alessio, uh, Brad Blackburn's on that card. Gabe Rudiger's also on that card. Just uh, it, It's solid from start to finish. Like I said, I hope uh, Razor Rob gets the W and um, gets on the right track. I definitely am bummed that I can't see the fight. It's not going to be televised that I'm aware of, but nonetheless, I will send him a message letting him know that uh, MPR is behind him 100%. Um, the Ultimate Fighter. You know, before I get into this week's Ultimate Fighter, I definitely got to say that I'm really interested in what happens to Tito Ortiz. I'm not going to say that I'm not interested in what happens to the season, but I want to know what happened to Tito that doesn't allow him to fight Chuck. Um, fact of the matter is that this week's uh, episode, Casey Escola from Team Ortiz fought Chris McRae from Team Ortiz in the wild card. 
and the winner, of course, would get a spot in the quarterfinal fights. Uh, Chris McCray ended up taking the fight by submission. The quarterfinal fights were set up to be Nick Ring versus Court McGee, Kyle Noak versus Chris McCray, Brad Tavares versus Seth Bozinski, Jamie Yeager versus Josh Bryant. As it turns out, it seems that Nick Ring ended up having a torn ACL, and he would be requiring a third ACL surgery. It seems that based on that, um, it's really risky for him to fight. So, of course, Dana White came to the house. Him and Nick Ring spoke, and Dana White, of course, said that Nick is out of the competition, and they ended up bringing back um, James Hammertree, and he ended up fighting uh, Court McGee. It ended up being Court McGee by submission with guillotine choke in round two. Um, of course, it's great because Chuck Liddell was happy for his man. Next week, Tito gets the shocking news that are going to put the fight in jeopardy, so to speak. Plus, you're going to get two more quarterfinal fights with one of them having an alleged controversial decision based on the trailer. Um, overall, it's been a good season. The fights have been solid. There hasn't been any sort of TV drama, so to speak, that gets shit crazy. So, overall, like I said, a solid season, but I really want to know what happens to Tito, so... We're going to get into that um, next week, hopefully. And uh, last but not least, like I said, the, um, the UFC Expo will be August 27th and 28th. Um, definitely going to be an awesome thing to see. If you're in the Boston area, head over there, try and get some autographs and stuff. Like I said, if I can go, it'll be great. Maybe I'll do a show from there. We'll see what happens. With that being said, I'm going to take a quick commercial break and head into some wrestling. You know those shows where they play video game music and they laugh in like really high voices like <laughs> well, You won't listen to that on our show because uh, we don't have the budget for that kind of thing We're broke as hell And uh, nobody really cares that much to laugh that hard So um, if you're looking for a show like that that has horrible audio quality and uh, void of fake laughter Video Game News Radio, 11 p.m. Tuesday nights on all games. All right, and we're back. Um, Wrestling news have been light the last few weeks. It's just not a lot of crazy shit is happening. So, you know, and a lot of it is just real formulaic stuff. But I'm going to talk about a couple of things. Um, First off, TNA Sacrifice card on Sunday was a lot of people said that it wasn't their best showing, but there were some really good matches. I was really impressed with the number one contenders match between Beer Money, Team 3D, and the Motor City Machine Guns. The Motor City Machine Guns ended up winning the match. Um, Definitely a great showing always by the Machine Guns. Beer Money's solid as always. Um, Definitely a great match from start to finish. Uh, The Rob Terry and Orlando Jordan match was just... You know what it is? Orlando Jordan is being billed as being controversial because he's the first openly bisexual wrestler, and that's kind of his gimmick. But casting aside the fact that he's bisexual, his wrestling ability is just not there. He has decent mic work. He's wrestling Rob Terry, who's the English version of Batista. And, you know, the guy's just ginormous for no reason. He's a freak of nature. He moves kind of slow. And it just wasn't a, it's not a great stylistic matchup. And I think Orlando Jordan, he's on to something with his character. He just hasn't found the right feud to showcase it, to showcase it correctly. I think Rob Terry also has a great future, but the match just, it wasn't good, man. It really wasn't that great. The X Division title match between Kazarian and Douglas Williams, though, 
was serious. Douglas Williams is a great wrestler. Um, his finishing move, the Chaos Theory, is an awesome fucking finishing move. It's right up there with the definitely the Canadian Destroyer and the Code Red in terms of really cool moves to see. If you get a chance, look up, look up Douglas Williams on YouTube or look up the name of his finishing move, the Chaos Theory, and you'll see that it's pretty badass. Um, the career versus knockouts title match between Tara, um, a.k.a. Victoria from WWE, and Madison Rain, definitely decent, not that great, but odds are that it's just, it was just a formulaic match used to um, write off um, Tara's character because it's been said that Victoria wasn't happy with the pay she was getting in TNA. There's rumors that she may be going back to WWE in the near future. Um, the fact of the matter is that, you know, it, it was going to go the way it was going to go, and everybody knew that Victoria was going to lose just based on what was going on on the web and all the commentary that was put out. Um, the TNA Tag Team title match between the band, which is, for those of you that don't know are the old siders, you know, Scott Hall and Kevin Nash and Inc. Inc., which is Jesse Neal and Shannon Moore. Um, solid match. It, it was interesting just because they started teasing a Team 3D heel turn with Brother Ray and Devon. I don't know if they're going to split them up or if they're just going to turn the whole team heel uh, given the, of their relationship with Jesse Neal. Nonetheless, the band ended up retaining not a bad match considering the, 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 the two slow as molasses fucks that were in it with Kevin Nash and Scott Hall. But it was a good match. It wasn't awful. Um, Desmond Wolf and Abyss. <sighs> you know, Abyss's character has just gotten... So, he's become such a shadow of himself. This is a dude that was awesome to watch. He had... He had matches with tacks and broken glass, and he was just a freaky dude. Now he's in sideshow, you know. His whole thing with Hulk Hogan and his friendship with Hogan, not that good. I was impressed, though, with the Jeff Hardy versus Mr. Anderson chant, which is just ridiculous, just because um, Mr. Anderson is really coming into his own, especially because his promos aren't being written for him. So he's just doing a really great job, and he's, He's selling himself as a great villain. I think that there's a face turn in the makes just because he tried to get a handshake afterwards with Jeff Hardy. I don't know if that's going to be a setup to continue the feud or if it's going to be a full-fledged turn for Mr. Anderson. Jeff Hardy ended up winning, of course, with the Swan Tom Bomb. Uh, great match from both guys. Definitely good to see. And I, and I really would like to see another match or two involving them just because they're so unique and their promo work is fantastic. Uh, Sting and Jeff Jarrett. Two old guys wrestling. It is what it is. Sting ended up winning. The only good thing was the beatdown afterwards where Sting whooped Jeff Jarrett's ass. I got to say that that was kind of cool. The world title match with RVD and AJ Styles was really good. Once again, the chemistry of those guys is great. Uh, Jay Lethal got involved. Ric Flair got involved. Nonetheless, Rob Van Dam retained with the five-star frog splash. I, I really want to see a third match. It, there's just something missing. Either they're not getting enough time or just the, the, the way the match was laid out, but they can definitely do so much better. Overall, I think that the card was really good from start to finish. Of course, a lot of people, armchair quarterbacks, oh, I was all right, you know, it could have been better, yada, yada, yada. I, I was impressed, but I really liked it. But, you know, it is what it is. I'm hoping that this continues the trend from TNA. Based on what I was seeing with this week's impact, it looked like they were going in the right direction. Um, the online ranking system is really good. If you care about being a fan and having your voice heard, 
head over to TNAWrestling.com and vote on who you think should be the next number one contender. Um, I try to usually vote and try and get somebody new in the picture. It's definitely being used. It's just a matter of, I, I have a feeling that the, the results are slightly skewed, but I recommend you guys, if, if, you're, if you care about the product and you want your voice to be heard, stop in and uh, vote for who you think should be the number one contender. Um, and Monday Night Raw, Buzz, Ald- Buzz Aldrin was the host. Um, you know, a lot of pay-per-view advancement, considering that Over the Limit is coming. Uh, the fact is that I wasn't really impressed with Raw this week. I have to admit that Randy Orton continues to deliver. His feud with Edge is getting really good. Um, Bret Hart ended up winning the United States Championship from The Miz. I don't really know where it's going, but it should be interesting to see how it plays out. And, of course, keeping Bret Hart on TV to help the Hart dynasty is a plus. Also, we got to see the return of Virgil, who uh, was accompanying Ted DiBiase Jr., in his match, the, uh, and he was also called the Million Dollar Champion since he's carrying the belt. I really hope that they keep Virgil around. I think that it will help solidify Ted DiBiase as a, a newer generation Million Dollar Man. Not only that, but his mic work is improving, and Virgil is a veteran, and I'm more than sure that he has a lot of great knowledge he can impart on Ted DiBiase. Um, next week's host for Monday Night Raw, of all people, is going to be John Lovitz. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but um, it should be interesting. I'm not going to shit on it until I see it and um, I cover it for next week's broadcast. For those of you that are fans of The Undertaker, they will be releasing a DVD set with some of his quote-unquote deadliest matches. Um, There are actually some really good matches on there. His match with The Ultimate Warrior from Madison Square Garden is on there. His uh, casket match with Kamala is on there. His casket match with... King Mabel from WWE In Your House from 1995 is there. His first match against Mankind, the Boiler Room, the Boiler Room Brawl with Mankind is on there. The Buried Alive match with Stone Cold, uh, the Inferno match with Kane, a couple of matches between him and the Big Show. Uh, I don't know why they had a match with him and Heidenreich in there. Heidenreich was a cornball. Uh, the casket match with The Undertaker fighting Randy Orton and Cowboy Bob Orton was in there. Wow, that was in 2005. Uh, the last man standing with him in the Great Collie, which sucked. Uh, the first blood match with him and Mr. Kennedy, as well as the last ride match. And his last man standing match against Batista was there. His Hell in the Cell with Edge was there, which was really good. And I'm more than sure they're going to have the Hell in the Cell with Mick Foley on there as well. So definitely, if you're a fan of The Undertaker, you can look into that also. And uh, last but not least, uh, Chris Benoit's father, Michael Benoit, has been adamant against Linda McMahon running for Congress. He actually wrote an open letter to the Hartford Courant in regards to basically denouncing WWE and Linda McMahon's political campaign. Um, but I'm, I think that, our, that my guest is dialing in. Before I bring him on, I just want to uh, discuss this first. Um, in his open letter, he wrote the following. My son, Chris Benoit, age 40, was one of WWE's top superstars. In June 2007, our lives, wow, 2007, our lives changed dramatically when he tragically killed his wife, son, and himself. The press jumped on steroids as the cause of his actions. The test showed that brain damage in the form of chronic traumatic encephalopathy, or CTE, not steroids, was responsible for our loss. CTE caused by repetitive trauma to the brain can bring on serious disorders, such as loss of emotional control, addictions to drugs, alcohol, uh, addictions to drug, alcohol, and, and of course, depression, and, uh, as well as 
aggressive, and violent behavior. Most people view wrestling as fake, and the McMahon family pushed the theory to avoid regulation. But in its lust for higher ratings and dollars, WWE began demanding their performers use more weapons and dangerous stunts in wrestling matches. Although matches are rigged and scripted, the harsh phys- physical abuse in the form of blunt, forced steel chair shots to the head and power bombs through tables onto concrete floors are real. I believe that this change in the industry is responsible for the majority of deaths it experienced in the last 20 years. One other thing that he referenced in his letter was uh, WWE wrestler Andrew Martin, uh, a.k.a. Test, was 33 when he died. What did Andrew Martin have in common with my son? He was, one of me- he was one of many of McMahon's former wrestlers who died prematurely, and he was the second wrestler to have his brain examined for signs of CTE after death. Martin had the same, had the same shocking brain damage as my son. The human skull is not designed to withstand and protect the brain from the abuse the McMahons insisted their wrestlers endure. Yet since their late 80s, these are the matches into which the McMahons have pushed their talent. With that being said, I'm not going to go into it any further, but it's crazy that the death of Chris Benoit, while it it was tragic and unfortunate and pretty much blacklisted his legacy from WWE, um, I got to go into a couple of things. First off... Uh, the steroid thing. I, I'm not going to um, advocate the use of steroids, but I really want to get into something um, that a lot of people fail to realize. Um, the use of steroids has been prevalent in every sport for, for years. The fact of the matter is that these athletes, as the years progress, are being pushed to perform better and better, and this is partly because of the fans' interest. Um, in referencing a little bit of baseball, Baseball used to be a game where the pitcher dueled with the batter and, you know, it was that, that dynamic that made people want to watch games. After a while, baseball started becoming more home run centric and, you know, the McGuire and Sammy Sosa home run race didn't do the sport any favors in that respect. Of course, both of those guys hit, hit monster home runs and shattered records, as did Barry Bonds, but behind it all were steroids because, again, when the sport changes and the dynamic changes, people want to see the home runs. They don't want to see pitchers doing cool shit. They want to see monstrous home runs fly out of the stadium. Now, you're probably asking yourself, what does this have to do with wrestling? With wrestling, it's the same thing. If you watch recently, um, and especially during the 90s, WWE was all about having jack dudes, you know, roided out monsters, and really hardcore matches. Like, like crazy shit, you know, table matches, TLC matches, um, people getting powerbombed off the stage. That was the norm back then. While, you know, Chris Benoit and Test are, are two that have been diagnosed with CTE, the fact is that the fans, they root for this stuff, and they realize that this is the kind of stuff people want to see. If the fans were a little bit more educated and realized, hey, man, you know, these guys can get hurt, um, it's one of those things that is really affecting the industry. It's highly unfortunate, but, you know, part of it is just the fact that to please us, the fans, these people are going to greater lengths and putting their bodies on the line. You know, the Benoit, the Benoit situation definitely opened up people's eyes to what goes on and, of course, to CTE. And actually, Chris Nowitzki, who was a WWE wrestler, spearheaded the research in regards to that. And as you've noticed, there's been less and less chair shots and less and less power bombs on concrete and shit. So hopefully this is the start of a trend where we'll start seeing less wrestlers dying and it doesn't become the running gag it always has. Nonetheless, with that, 
let's uh, close out wrestling, and I believe my guest is on the line, and I'm going to bring him on. Lance, what's going on? What's going on, man? It's Vince. Hey, man. Listen, um, before I, I, I pick your brain, because I know you got a lot of stuff to, to discuss, for those um, that aren't familiar, just give us a little background on the site, if you don't mind. Uh, yeah, it's called filmdrunk.com. I've been running it since about 2007. Basically, uh, you know, we cover non- a non-serious business, so I choose to cover it in a non-serious sort of way. Uh, I don't know. I don't really. I don't really understand how people can cover mo- cover movies and all the silly stuff that we talk about, and uh, you know, talk about it very seriously. So I choose not to. And uh, so yeah, that's basically what it is. All your trailers and movie news and reviews and all that stuff. What um what got you into it? What motivated you to start to start the site up? Uh well. Um, I had a really crappy job, and uh, I... <laughs> That's usually a start? <laughs> yeah, so I, I was spending, I was actually working, um, you know, I had a crappy day job like most people, and uh, I was spending a lot of my time reading blogs instead of working, and uh, I found one of them that was looking for writer, writers, and so I applied, and then from there, from there, I, uh, I got in touch with the guy who was running um, Fat Penguin Media at the time, and uh, he he told me he, we talked about him wanting to start a movie site, and so uh, he brought me on, and then we started Film Drunk, and that was pretty much it. Yeah, you. Um, I got to tell you, I actually was. I, I got to your site because I was a fan of um, What Would Tyler Durden Do. dot yeah. com, and. Um, I ended up wandering into your site, and I got to tell you, I read it religiously every morning. It's a, your RSS is in my reader, and you guys, you guys have no mercy. And you know, not not to, not to blow smoke up your ass because you're my guest, but I love that. I love the fact that you guys take the opportunity and look at the bullshit that Hollywood churns out. I mean, the, every week that I do the film segment here on the show. The stuff that I read just boggles my mind. I mean, last week we were talking about the fact that they're doing a movie based on the Magic Eight Ball. <laughs> yeah. You, you know, I mean, it's like it's like I don't yeah I don't I don't go out of my way to like try and bash people, but you know, like whenever I'm writing, I just I try to I try really really hard to to get down to like whatever my honest thought about something is, and then then I sort of go with that because like with movies, man. It's just like if it's just nonstop people, people that are so full of shit that you can't even like you have to cut through it all, and it's really it's really hard, especially when they're doing movies based on like Bazooka Joe and and like the Magic Eight Ball movies. I, I don't even I can't even like fathom the the mindset that would go into thinking that's a good idea, or like how many how many people around the person who makes that decision are just like all completely full of shit twenty four hours a day. So I don't know. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. It's funny you, that you put it in such an honest way. I I came up with a theory that it's a whole bunch of guys sitting at a table and they just throw they just throw little cards at a, at a magnet board with ideas. You know, like all right, we're gonna do a movie with a talking penguin and we're gonna have it be a slasher film. And, you know, and they just throw all these random things and they start throwing names of people that they want in it. The, the, that would that, be that's really what. Go ahead, man. 
<laughs> that, that seems like it would be like way more, a lot more originality would go into that than like making a movie out of whatever was sitting on your desk. That's like me if I, if I was just like, look, or you know that scene in Wayne's World where he's like, or I think it's Wayne's World 2, it's like, which bands are going to be there? And he like looks around and he sees a guy like with an Aerosmith shirt, and then there's another guy with a Van Halen shirt, and he just like oh, yeah, shouts whatever is in, in the room. I kind of think that's what they're doing with movies now. They're like, oh, look, there's a magic eight ball on the table in the corner. Let's do a movie about that. Well, you you got to look at it like this, and as 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 a full time movie blogger, I mean, I, you know, I do the show once a week. I'm a, I'm a hardcore movie buff, but in terms of you basically, you know, making it, making this your identity, do you do you watch more movies at home, or do you actually go and 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 drop money in the box office to see some of this shit? <laughs> a little of both. I mean, like I try not to go out of my way to see see something that I would have zero interest in because. I don't know. At a certain point, it's like I don't want to just go and show up and see something just so I can just so I can rip on it when I can tell. It's like you know when it's like The Duchess with Keira Knightley or something. I realize like that that's not a movie that is designed for me, and I know I'm gonna hate it. So you know what's the point of going to that? But you know I'll go and see stuff that looks like it might be cool in the theater, and and hey, it's a tax write-off now. And uh, you know when I'm sitting when I'm sitting around at home. Watching, watching HBO or watching cable. That's that's when I catch up on all the movies that uh, that I don't actually that aren't designed for me that I don't want to go and spend money for and bash just to just for the you know just to bash it. How has the how has the film community em- embraced you guys? Because you guys have been around for a long time and you guys <laughs> no mercy. I mean, do you, do you get a lot of hate or do a lot of people kind of agree on the download and they say, hey man, you know you you, you keep it real. Or is it a lot of oh man, you guys, you you guys just shit on everything. It's it's both. Uh, it's funny when I laughed as soon as you said like, how does the film community community embrace you? Because I was thinking, well, uh, they haven't at all. Like my my my, my most recent experience was going to Sundance and having the um, the uh, lady in the press office deny my press credentials because I was like inappropriate. So, you know, there's that, of course, and then, but then there's also the people that, that like, do comedy and do the more subversive stuff that, that uh, you know, that contact me and uh, sort of, that uh, have embraced the site and, uh, you know, we like, sort of uh, feed off each other, I guess. Or I think it's more just people like, like us that, that are reading it, and some of them happen to be in the movie industry and, you know, doing cool stuff with that, so... Well, you know, one one of the things that it's it's funny because I, I I was reading your your incident at the Sundance Film Festival and I saw some of your tweets about it leading up to it and, and it amused me because you know you've made it and you've offended somebody the right way when you go to an event in all seriousness to cover it and they go no you you can't we can't let you in yeah it That's made you me know feel it made me feel it made me feel really good that I got denied because they knew who I was and then they thought it was specifically inappropriate other than just like, oh, who the hell is this asshole, you know? So, I don't know. It's nice to at least be uh, at least be denied because they knew who I was. Oh, well, that, you know, it it's always it always brings a, a great smile to my face when you, when you can openly shit on something <laughs> and people remember you enough to go, yeah, didn't that guy post that on Facebook? Oh, hell no, we're not letting him in. <laughs> yeah. But um, I actually also wanted to talk about 
so, some of the other stuff and pick your brain on it. Well, and the big hot-button topic, of course, that I've been discussing every week is 3D movies. Where do you stand on it? Because I know you guys aimlessly shit on Avatar, and um, it, was, it was great, you know, especially when you started putting a lot of the cosplay photos of just some of the, the, the failures that are out there that became fans of a trailer before the movie even came out. So, um, you know, what are, your, what are your thoughts on it? Well, the funny thing is uh, when you brought up 3D, I was, the first thing I was going to say was, like, the only time that I think it's actually looked good or been done well was Avatar because, you know, they spent all the money to do it in 3D from the very beginning, and that was the only time the 3D didn't actually bug me. And I don't know, it's just like... It's the new toy, and not only that, like they can charge more for it. So immediately, you know, immediately the 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 first the first thing any studio exec wants to do with the property is is turn it into 3D, and so it's you know it's a it's a business decision. So of course that's definitely not going to make the movie better necessarily. So you just get a bunch of the same movies that are 3D now that you have to pay five bucks more for. So. Yeah, of course it's there. Of course they're not doing it because uh, 3D is going to make make any movie better. It's just it's a way to charge you more. Well, you know it's funny because what I was gonna did you feel uh, when you heard that Avatar became you know a billion dollar franchise and broke all these records? Did did a part of you say that it would? Did a part of you feel that it was complete bullshit because the the you know the tickets cost more? Number one and number two, it was basically Fern Gully told live action you know did, yeah. did, did it did it did it bug you a little bit i mean it bugged me that the story was so i mean like it feels like it's an old story but you know the movie that was the highest grossing movie before that was titanic which also felt like an old you know a bit of an old story and was also james cameron i just i just think that like cameron is really good at knowing like what that sort of middle of the road not quite that hip audience is going to want to see and uh or and maybe even likes it better himself and i don't know it's not my thing really <laughs> like i'd rather see something that's that where i don't know exactly what's going to happen at the end but clearly clearly people enjoy that uh, you know, the whole time I was watching it, I was like, oh, God, uh, if he's going to fall in love with one of them, at least let it not be the chief's daughter. And then, you know, and then and they introduce that. It's, of course, just the chief's daughter. And then, you know, and then you meet the bad guy, and it's like, oh, God, let it not be like a final. Let his, let his, uh, let, let him not be the last guy that he has to fight and, and die in a really cool way. And, of course, that happens. And I don't know. I mean, like, I, I didn't dislike the movie, but the, the whole time, the whole time you're watching it, there's all these things that you're rooting for not to happen because they're so predictable, and then all of them pretty much happen. Yeah, it was, it was very formulaic. I mean, look, I I didn't go see it in 3D IMAX. I mean, a lot of people gave me shit for it. I'm like, yo, it's fucking an arm and a leg. It's like 60 bucks, you know, if I if I if I go with my fiance to see it. And I'm like, I don't want to look at this 100-foot screen with these giant blue smurfs. And my fucking, I learned my lesson. We, um... Me and uh, uh, my, my buddy Slick, who works with me on the show, we went to see Watchmen in IMAX. And um, it's, it was a 100 foot screen of blue cock. I had no, I, there, there was no necessity for that. 
You know what I mean? Like, and it's like, if it, if, if it was that, and I wanted to rip my eyes out of my sockets, you know, the whole avatar and them running and all that crazy shit, I'm like, you know what? I'll buy the Blu-ray. It'll look really pretty, and I can put that shit in pause when my eyes start to hurt. Yeah, well, I like, you know, I like the bigger screen, but it's like the thing about 3D is like a photograph is already a really good, uh, a really good illusion for 3D. I mean, your eyeball... Like we basically see in two in 2D, so to add the 3D onto that is just like sort of this completely unnecessary thing. Like I mean, you already get the illusion of three dimensions when you're watching a, a two-dimensional plane anyway. That's just how your vision works. So when they have to add, I don't know. I just don't get it. I don't really I don't really in, enjoy it anymore. But the IMAX is you know it's bigger. Fuck. <laughs> oh yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. It just it, it just bothers me that they put out all these records, you know, like Avatar selling 6 million, combination 6 million DVDs and Blu-rays. That's a big number. You know, that's great. You know, when you tell me that it became a billion-dollar franchise, you know, I, I, can, I can do a documentary about taking a shit, and if I charge 20 bucks a ticket, it's going to make a billion dollars too, you know, if everybody wants to see it. It, it just bothered me how, you know, there were, there were, the big Hollywood stroke job was going on. Oh, there's a billion-dollar franchise. James Cameron is awesome. That's why when the Hurt Locker won the Oscar, I was like, "See, the billion dollars didn't mean shit because <laughs> the better movie won." Yeah, the weird thing about that is, like, I mean, I'm sure the I'm sure Avatar would have, you know, would have made more money than Hurt Locker no matter what. But it's like they didn't really give the Hurt Locker a chance to really make that money because they didn't even really release it in that many theaters, which was weird because you think like after. After like everybody is hearing about it at the Oscars, wouldn't wouldn't you want to like re-release it in all the theaters where it didn't come out and people that didn't hear about it? But I don't know. I don't really understand it. Where where like Couples Retreat comes out and it plays on like four thousand screens or three thousand screens and and everybody gets a chance to see it. Whereas The Hurt Locker comes out and it barely you know barely breaks like five hundred screens at a peak or whatever. Or I don't even know if it made that. And like it seemed like it only played in you know, the major cities, and it's like, I understand if you don't, if, if you don't think people in the country or people in middle, middle America are going to see that movie, but to not even give it a chance or to not even, I don't know, it, it seems weird, like, even from a business decision standpoint to me, I don't know. Well, it was funny to me just because when it all went down and, I, you know, I got to see The Heart Locker and I was like, this movie deserved to get what it got, and it was a great movie. But the, the thing I don't like is that Hollywood makes everything a fucking conflict. Oh, it's James Cameron's ex-wife, you know, the, 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 the little kid fighting the big bully. It's like, can you just say that the fucking movie was better than Avatar? Just say that. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. We, you know, Hollywood doesn't want to say that. They don't want to, you know, hurt James Cameron's feelings. Oh, you know, and saying that. They're like, oh, yeah, it was a great movie for that genre. It's like, look, it was better than fucking Avatar. Avatar was a real pretty remake of every other movie we've seen. That's all it was. It's like, let's call this shit like it is. Yeah, well, you have to, you have to create backstory. Otherwise, you have nothing to talk about. Well, you know, it's like, I want to... It's like every UFC fight's got to be a grudge match now. Even oh, though. yeah, every UFC fight, everybody hates each other. Somebody yeah. says something about somebody's mama. Um, you know, as, as an MMA fan, it's great sometimes, but I hate when it's forced. Like, yeah, if, exactly. If, if two people hate each other you automatically know they hate each other. Like Rashad and Rampage, those fucking guys hate each other. Chuck and Tito hate each other. 
But then when you try to do like, you know, George St. Pierre and, and, and Dan Hardy, it's like those guys didn't fucking hate each other at all. Yeah, exactly. It, it's unfortunate, but I also wanted to talk because you give a lot of shit to, uh, to one particular actor, especially as of late. And, and in looking at the box office totals, I definitely wanted to bring it to your attention. Brendan Fraser. Yeah. Um, Brendan Fraser's Furry Vengeance, for some reason, it, it's like a, like, a, like a malicious tumor. It refuses to fucking die on the top ten box office numbers. Um, what, what is it about these movies with talking animals and just ridiculous shit that make people want to just shill out all this money? I, you know, I, I'm not going to lie. I saw a little bit of furry vengeance through some nefarious memes. And um, I said to myself, I, my cat licking his balls is more amusing than this movie. Like, how yeah. do you money for this shit? And the movie's made like $15 million already. I saw, yeah, as soon as I saw the trailer where he shouts like Miley Cyrus in the girl's voice, which was as an as an expletive, I was like, what the fuck were they thinking? But then I talked to uh, one of my friends who teaches, uh, I forget what grade she teaches, like third or fourth grade, and I guess she, she saw it with a crowd of kids, and the kids apparently all loved it, which sort of made me sad. So I guess that's where the money's coming from, is uh, somehow the people that made it uh, have the mind of... Uh, uh, third and fourth, fourth graders. It, it's really unfortunate. I, you know, and looking at the, at the top ten, you know, of course, it's a no-brainer Iron Man was going to be kicking ass. And um, one of the things I, I, I discussed last week was the fact that, you, especially, and you've probably heard this too, you get those really hardcore, hardcore comic guys that are like, they didn't stick to the book, man. They didn't do this. How annoying is that shit, especially as, as, as a film blog, when you hear, they should have talked about Tony Stark being an alcoholic. No one gives a shit. Yeah, I, I feel like in general, the, the whole comic book thing, I, I don't know. I, I, I've always considered myself a bit of like a movie nerd, but, but goddamn, like lately now it seems like being a nerd is like the coolest thing and everybody wants to wear their their nerdery like on their sleeve and tell you like yep. how big of a nerd they are and it's like, all right, settle the fuck down. Like, I kind of liked it when people were kind of a little embarrassed that they're a grown man reading comic books, but I guess that's not the thing anymore. I don't know. That's not – I've never really been, like, a comic book guy, which is, does not win me any fans in the movie circle. I mean, I like I like my comic book movies and everything, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I feel like it's gone a little too far, and everybody needs to settle the fuck down. Oh, well, you know, it's funny because now, it, it, I said this last week, every, every few years they move on to a different medium to rape for movies. Right now it's comic books and, you know, some historical pieces, you know, with Robin Hood. And um, Deadline was reporting that they're going to be producing a Julius Caesar movie. Uh, the guys from the three, from, that did 300 um, are going to produce a movie on Julius Caesar. It, it, it gets to a point where unless it looks like 300, nobody gives a shit. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's like they're just making – the people in charge are making businessman decisions where they don't really have – no one really has the balls to, to say, well, I like this, so someone else will probably like this. They're, they're always – they always have to base everything on, like, well, this kind of movie did this much business uh, two years ago. Therefore, if we make another movie just like that, it'll probably make this much money. And, you know, that's how they make – their decisions. That's why you get 
three or four or five like of the same types of movies because they think that you know once a certain type of movie makes once a comic book movie makes a hundred million dollars that you can just make another comic book movie and there's a hundred million dollar market there for it when it doesn't really work that way like people get tired of shit after a while like i mean they did the comic book thing back in the 90s too and then and then Batman and Robin came out, and, and that sort of killed it for a while. And then, you know, it took a while to come back after that. So the same thing will probably happen with, like, your your 300-style movies and your, uh, let's see, what else, what else is, like, the, the big thing? Oh, they're right. The comic book movies that, and, and movies based on, on graphic novels. You know, like, Kick-Ass yeah. was good. Kick-Ass was a great movie. You know, it stayed true to the book. But now it's like... You know, let's do a movie about this graphic novel and that graphic novel. Let's do a movie about, you know, the flaming carrot or, or you know, yeah. like going real obscure and shit. Well, it has, to be a, it has to be like a good graphic novel first. They just sort of like pick any anything and they're like, oh, well, this could be a movie. Like the fucking, uh, you know, how many goddamn like female chicks wearing bikinis like, like cutting cutting up zombies or whatever there's got to be there's been like a hundred of those and they they they, they keep optioning them <laughs> oh yeah they keep option, optioning them but you know it was funny because i had a i have a couple of, of nuggets of information that i'm more than sure you're going to love um the wakowski brothers actually completed a script and i'm more than sure you might know about this already about a uh they're doing a gay war movie Oh yeah, yeah, I heard about that. Well, they're the Wachowski siblings now, I think. Yeah, so, so, so look, he if he pees standing up, that guy, that chick, that that shim is still his brother. <laughs> you know, if he's peeing standing up, he's still a dude. But um, you know, pretty much they want to do you know now they're going for with the um with the homosexual art pictures. You know, they kind of went with that a little bit. They 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 went that direction with with Precious. Now they want to try and do the artsy, um, you know, hot button issue movies. Do you, do you think it's a, it, this is going to be Hollywood's new thing where they want to do the really sad, um, you know, uplifting story that's kind of depressing at the end, like Precious and Brokeback Mountain? Like, do you think this is the the, the new thing? I mean, I don't know. It, it, like when I heard about it, it would seem like it sort of seemed like a new idea. I mean, it seemed like it would be. It would be a new idea, except it basically just sounds like Brokeback Mountain in, uh, you know, Interact, which is kind of like a simple thing. But I don't know. That sounds more interesting to me than Speed Racer, but we'll see. It depends well, Speed, what, they do with it, what they do with Speed it. Speed Racer was awful, dude. So I, I can relate to that. The only thing that I didn't like was, and, and this is what, it, what, what you were saying before about the serious uh, reporting they made sure that the movie will feature what's described, and they put in quotes a hard R. Yeah. It's, yeah, I mean... Like, is that I, your attempt at humor? Like, really? I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I, I would rather watch, like, them have hardcore sex than watch two dudes kissing for some reason. I don't know why. The, like, the kissing is much more much harder to watch than, than any of the other stuff. But, like... I don't know. At least it, 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 I'd much rather see an original story, even if it's even if it sounds like something else. Than I would them just taking some cartoon that like they remember from the seventies or something and doing that. Like they keep doing, you know. I, I swear to God, like someone's gonna make a noise movie. Just wait. Oh yeah. Well, I was, the next thing I was gonna ask you is, how do you feel that after Ridley Scott did Robin Hood and Gladiator, he's doing a movie about Monopoly? Well. 
first of all, like he raped that. I just I just watched Robin Hood on on Friday, and god damn, did he rape that movie? Like it's you know it started out apparently it started out as a script about uh, um, it was uh, Robin Hood, but sympathetic to the sheriff, where the sheriff was like the good guy, and he was he was tracking uh, Robin. You know, you you was robbing all the all the uh, respectable members of society, and that was the script. And then, like all like they kept changing and changing it. And now, now it's like this weird like origin story that doesn't make any fucking sense. And then at the very end, like it basically ends with the Robin Hood story that you're you're used to seeing. So you're kind of like, well, why why did I just watch that two hours of movie? So he, he kind of raped that one. And then as far as the Monopoly movie. Who the hell knows? After after sitting through that Robin Hood movie, goddamn, I don't even want to know what he's going to do with Monopoly. Well, it's funny because this week, you know, you know, I I know you give um you give people a lot of shit, especially when that when they churn out the Twilight stuff. But it's funny because I was reading this week that you know even even the lame second tier characters are trying to jump on the on the I want more money bandwagon. And they're talking about, you know, actually catering to their demands. Do you think that when you, you know, especially because it's based on a book, that the secondary character shouldn't get any of the main character money? You know, what are your thoughts on that, especially when they're holding out and, and, and slowing up production for a movie that makes billions of fucking dollars? Well, it's weird because it's like on one hand, if you're, if you're the guy paying those people, you're like, well, they're not doing anything and they're making like you know millions of dollars well not millions but you know probably high six figures for doing very little and for being like easily replaceable but then you know at the same time that may be the only job they get for like 10 years so they gotta like they gotta sort of milk whatever they can take it now or they can get it so i don't know i mean if it was me i, I probably wouldn't pay them because I don't know. It doesn't seem. I, do you really think people are gonna, little girls are gonna care whether it's like Kellen Lutz in the background or some other dude with his shirt off? I, I don't think it really no, matters that much. <laughs> this is what happens. The executive wakes up. He says, "Fuck him. We're not paying it." And then they go, "Find me a pasty white Abercrombie-looking guy with a decent set of abs, and let's go with it." They yeah. Just walk well, into the Abercrombie store and pick a guy out. Yeah, well, they paid them. I mean, and the story the story came out today. I guess they whatever their demands were, the the studio the studio met them, and they're going to be back. So I don't know. Hollywood is really run by by a bunch of greedy pussies. <laughs> it really is, man. It's like it's yeah. like it's like they, those those characters are in shit. It's like I can understand if you know, like uh, the werewolf boy decided, oh, I, I want to do Stretch Armstrong. I don't want to do another Twilight movie. Then, yeah, give him whatever, give him, get him whatever he wants. Yeah, like you know, the main him. three characters. Yeah, if he wants a small Asian boy, fucking go over there and get him one, you know? Like, make that shit happen. Yeah. It's really unfortunate. But, um, the other, the, of course, the, the, big, the big get this week was the Megan Fox issue with her um, fired from Transformers, dropping out from Transformers, um... What what are your thoughts before before I even tell you what I think? Well, I, you know I got to hear it from you first. What do you think, man? Well, again, it's like how many more Transformers movies are they going to make? Like, so what? So she's not. I mean, they, there's no way there's going to be more than four at the very most. I hope to God this whole this next one's the last one. So, like, if you're Megan Fox, who really cares? You're already she's already pretty famous, and. 
if your transformer, I don't think it really matters either way. They're both two sort of disposable products. Like no one, uh, like Transformers 2 was just, you know, a bunch of shit flying around, and there was a pretty girl there. I'm sure you could find another pretty girl to be there. That's nothing against Megan Fox, because that's all she really had to do. So... Uh, I don't know. I don't think it's. I don't think it's a big deal for either of them, really. Like you could put any model in in there, and it'd be just as good. And if you're Megan Fox, like I'm sure you can find another movie. Oh well, you know, of course. As soon as they said that she got the the old Kangaroo, um, you know, her 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 press automatically comes out, and they're like, no, well, she quit. She wanted to do something new. And as soon as I read it, I'm like, what the fuck is that whack tattooed bitch gonna do? What what is she gonna do? Another Jennifer's body, uh, play, playing a, a hooker in Jonah Hex? Like, what are you really doing? Hey, well, there's, there's there's those, those there's those roles going around. She, she she's got those roles to do. Who knows? I don't know. I I don't know. I don't want to judge her too hard because I've only seen her in, in Transformers, and I don't think it's possible to look like a good actor in one of those movies. But uh, yeah. Yeah, there's not <laughs> she'll much. Get, she'll get booked. Oh yeah, she'll get booked. I mean. Personally, she should just do those um, those little animated shorts where your hand talks, just so that it could be a movie about her thumbs. I'm more than sure that'll make her a lot of money. Just do a movie about her thumbs talking. But you know, it, oh yeah, it bugs me out, man, because it's like as soon as they said she wasn't doing it, it's like the world stopped. It's like little twelve-year-old boys that were cranking off in their base were like, oh no, you know, it just it just it just came to a screeching halt. It's like, dude, no one cares. And then you know they. Of course, they run down the laundry list of pretty, pretty girls that may replace her, like, you know, like Gemma Arterton from Prince of Persia, and Barbara Felly, Miranda Kerr, Brooklyn Decker. Then they started getting really crazy, Ada Cool News. You know, I, I love those guys. They really love to fuck shit up, too. They're just like, oh, yeah, Zoe Aldana, Hayden Panettiere, Amber Heard, Vanessa Hudgens. Yeah, it's a good excuse to post a bunch of pictures of, like, exactly. half-naked chicks to get people to click on your, on your link. Oh, yeah. Ashley Green. It's like, it's like half half of these chicks aren't going to be in there. Not going to does, does the way Gemma, Gemma Arterton, I've seen her, uh, you know, I'm starting to see her in all the Prince of Persia stuff. I don't know. Does the way she talks bug you? She, she's got this really weird, like, nasal, like, she, she teacher. Like, looks, she, she sounds like she's she going to rap on my knuckles with a ruler or something. It's kind of weird. That that's definitely her her delivery is really weird, but she always has a look on her face like somebody farted under her nose. Like she always has like a real scrunched up like English looking broad face, and I'm like, I'm like okay. I mean I understand that she's cute and all. I mean she was good in in um in Double O Seven, you know for the for the bit part that she had in uh in the second Bond movie. But it's like all right, you're in Prince of Persia now. Of course everybody's gonna start fucking kissing your ass you know, because you're in a mainstream movie. But it's like all these chicks, and, and it, it, it sounds shallow, but it's like if all you're known for is just being hot and there's no dramatic film credits in, in, in your repertoire, nobody, you're, you're about as replaceable as the garbage bag in my trash can. You know, nobody gives a shit. It's like, oh, we take Megan Fox out? You, you could put Hayden Panettiere in there. Nobody will give a shit. Yeah. It really is crazy how they sit there and they think that, you know, the end-all, be-all is that, you know, sh- shallow shallow Shrek thumbs isn't going to be in the new one. Yeah, I, I don't know. It would just seem like, 
I think it was just fun to talk about. I don't know if anybody really actually cared. It was just one of those things. Whoa. Oh, dude, the forums, a lot of forums, it's like I go to certain, you know, especially to, to do prep work for the show, you know, I'll go, I'll go to, like, you know, the Transformers forum, and they they were like, oh, my God, she's not going to be in it. Oh, shit, it's here. I'm like, really, dude, really? Is, is your life that devoid of pussy that you're not, that you're that you're heartbroken that she's not going to be in it? Like, give me a, what kind yeah, of what kind of thought do you think you're? I mean, what kind of interaction do you think you're going to get on a forum dedicated to Transformers? Really? Well, you know, it's funny, and I'll tell you what happens with that because there's a lot of like hardcore dudes that work on the films that leak out a lot of shit. So yeah. I love I love going in there because you'll see a guy like, oh, here's here's a picture that I took with my phone of how Bumblebee's going to look in the new one. And I'm like, oh, way to go, way to go, um, General Motors, to making them a convertible because you're putting out a new convertible Camaro. Like, stuff like that amuses me because, you know, it just shows that, that Hollywood knows how to dig into our pockets even more so because every, you know, douchebag with money is going to be like, oh, I want the convertible Camaro now. You know, and they're going to sell it right with the movie. Yeah, my favorite thing was that in the movie when uh, – when, when, uh the car upgrades to the new Camaro. They actually played the song that's in the Camaro commercial, like in the middle, in the middle of the movie. I oh, yeah, that was, hilarious. That was a ballsy move. Oh, yeah, because it was a giant. Uh, look, as an 80s baby, all the, all, all the 80s movies that are being made, all the 80s movies based on cartoons, you know, they have, I have a soft spot for them. You know, that's just me. And it, it was great to see, you know, something from my childhood being put on the big screen. But on the same token, it's, the people going really hard about certain things that, you know, it's like, look, they had no bearing on the overall product. Look, the movie was as shallow as the guy who made it. Michael Bay is not putting out Oscar-winning fucking movies. We all know that. Yeah, no, he's started as a a guy who directed commercials, and that's kind of still what he does. Yeah, he's just commercials with uh, better actors. Yeah, bigger budget. But, uh, Oh yeah, bigger budget commercials. The other thing um, I wanted to talk to you about you um, you wrote a really funny piece on the fact that Eddie Murphy is going to do another uh, Nutty Professor. Um, Eddie Murphy, I I love him as a comic. He's he's just fantastic, and I don't know what happened, man. And and the fact that you just said you know it's another movie about farts was 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 very fitting. I mean, do you do you think that that Hollywood's gotten to that point where they just have no more fucking ideas left? I don't know. It's I don't know. It's just a little depressing to write about Eddie Murphy because, yeah, like I grew up with Eddie Murphy too, and now now you're wondering you're wondering if it's like if he's still got the same sense of humor under there and he just he doesn't care anymore or like he is not trying as hard or if yeah, he's actually like lost it. The same thing with like Adam Sandler. Like I mean, I used to fucking love Adam Sandler's albums and I don't think it was just because I was young and stupid I think that you know there, he was actually doing some pretty funny stuff back in the day and so now when those guys like keep churning out these like really bad I mean when's the last time Eddie Murphy had a movie out that didn't look really bad and Eddie Murphy's I, movies have the same shitty announcer that's what I know this I mean as soon as I hear it's Eddie Murphy in Eddie Murphy I'm like oh god this is gonna be awful yeah and you wonder, I don't know, you wonder if he's just doing that because he knows, like, you know, he'll get paid and, you know, he can buy his, you know, put his daughters through college or whatever, and that, that's fine and all, but you wonder if, like, if there's some part of him that's still 
has the same like comedic eye and can actually differentiate like he used to. And and I don't know. I don't know. I just have like when I saw funny people, I was like, oh, so Adam Sandler like totally gets it. He still has the same sense of humor he had before, but he's just he's sort of making fun of himself for putting you know being trapped. He's collecting paychecks, yeah. Yeah, being trapped in this cycle where you have to collect paychecks for doing these crappy movies. But then, of course, after it's over, he just went right back to doing those movies. So, shit, man, I don't know. Well, the the last thing I wanted to ask you about, and I had been, I had wanted to discuss this, but I wanted you here because only you can do it justice, and it's the trailer for Rubber. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a psychic tire that explodes people's heads, and the tire is named Robert. That's what I got from it, which sounds pretty amazing to me. The concept blew my mind when I read it at work. When I read it at work earlier today, because you know, like I said, you know, we do the real world jobs while we try to do other shit. Um, I read it and I'm like, no way. And then I was like, oh my god, this is really legit. Yeah, it's always fun when you read a concept that just sounds like so ridiculous that and then they actually made a movie out of it that i don't know i'm always i'm always up to see one of those oh it, it looks so bad it, it's like toxic avenger bad and i really just want i really want to see it but i wanted you to definitely deliver it just because it's 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 heinous beyond belief dude but but you know what what will happen it'll become a cult phenomenon like black dynamite and, you know, movies like that where you just have to watch them and you get something out of it, whether it's a memorable line or, you know, it ends up becoming an Internet phenomenon. You know, I, I had to ask you to discuss it just because it was priceless. Yeah, I mean, I feel like there's no way they could possibly do justice to the idea of a psychic tire that, that makes people's heads explode. But I, I don't know. Just based on that, I'll see it anyway. I'm sure, I'm sure there's no way it could possibly be as good as it, as, as it sounds. To, to describe it, but hey, why not? And the other the other thing I, I wanted to ask you too, um, a, lot, a big trend I've been seeing lately is that Hollywood purposely leaks out trailers and then conveniently right after you put them on your site or whatever, they come and they pull them. Um, I feel that, you know, it's counterproductive just because, like, build a buzz for your movie, like, like when the Machete trailer came out. I'm like, all right, you know, this is going to be badass. I put it on the site, everybody was excited. And then it's like Lionsgate was like, all right, you guys can't show this yet. Do you feel that Hollywood just shoots themselves in the foot when they do shit like that? Because you're generating a buzz without having to do any work. Well, there's a couple things. Like, one thing, like, say with the Machete trailer, I get it. Like, and the same thing happened with Black Dynamite, where they put out an early trailer that had, like, nudity and, like, all the stuff in it. And, like, sometimes those, like, the MPAA will step in and be like, you know, like you'll get in trouble for putting out a trailer that is unrated, you know, or doesn't have like it doesn't have an age gate, which is the most ridiculous thing in the world because anybody could just put their birthday in there. But so sometimes they get in trouble for the age gate thing, which I understand because that cause in that case, like the movie can get can get in trouble with MPAA. But then when you when you're just putting the trailer up and the fucking studio, like when you're just putting like the official trailer up and the studio comes in and, and takes it down. That I don't understand at all, because first of all, you're just putting up their advertisement in, in more places, so I have no idea why they would not want that. Second of all, I don't see how it's legal at all. I mean, we're all just 
everybody's so is scared of lawyers, so we take it down. But there's a thing called fair use, which is you can put something like that up for the purpose of you know creating parody or creating or 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 news discussion. Like it's completely like I don't I I don't think. I can't imagine anything being more the definition of fair use than like someone putting up a trailer so they can talk about it or you know make mashups or whatever. But but still, there's this there's this thing with I don't understand I don't understand why the studio would come along and take that down. I, I don't understand it. Yeah, it really is counterproductive, especially you know it happened with the Expendables when they when they released the first trailer and then they kind of took the they kind of took it away. And I'm like. Like, what are you guys doing? The, the minute I put that trailer up, the traffic on my site spiked tremendously, and everybody was like, hey, man, this movie's going to be badass. And it, even if the movie sucks, you know, the, the fact is that it, it generated enough of a buzz that people want to see it. You know, with Snakes on a Plane, the same thing happened. Yeah, like I want to, I don't know, part of me wants to think that there's some sort of grand scheme behind why they do it, and they have some sort of good possibly diabolical reason for for taking it down but then the other part of me thinks is no maybe they are just stupid and they don't understand how it works i, I don't know I'm, I'm kind of torn between between what the what the hell what the answer is it, 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 one other one other funny thing and, and you know like i said just referencing some stuff on your site the um the chris klein um mama mia audition a comedic goal but besides that what the fuck happened to that guy? That guy, you know, I thought after the American Pie movies, like, you know, you, you had a guy, you know, he, he had a, he was wholesome, you know, he had the, the guy, the guy next door look, you know, I, I'm like, all right, this kid has a decent career. Then I see him in Street Fighter, his hairline's in the middle of his head, and, and you know, I think he's been doing the bro talks. I'm like, yo, what the fuck happened? I don't know. I don't know. I was sort of assuming that Mamma Mia audition thing was a joke like I, I sort of took it as that was that was like some like funnier die joke but then i haven't heard anything about it and so maybe it's not i don't know in both cases the, the only explanation i can think of is that he was on a lot of cocaine which is what it looked like to me yeah he, he did seem a little a little glazed over i was like i was like wow he looked he looked really really bad and but, his eyes um, were so wide open that his eyebrows were, like, in the middle of his forehead because he's like, I am so awake right now. Oh, it was awful. And then, you know, like I said, with his receding hairline, I'm like, holy shit. Yeah. So, like, he's out of it. He, I, he really is wasted. But, um, but, but before I let you go, I got I to gotta ask you, if there's anything that's coming out this summer that, you, that you're actually excited about that you don't have the urge to shit on, what would it be? Well, you know, like, I'm actually – I kind of want to see McGruber. Like I, I thought it was a really stupid idea. I never, I never really liked the sketch all that much. But I don't know. I've been hearing good things. I really liked. Uh, they got one of the the guys from the Lonely Island directing it, who's like you know the Sandberg crew. Who I actually was a huge fan, a big fan of even before they got on Saturday Night Live. So I don't know. I'm cautiously optimistic about that one. You know, I, I got to give you credit. I'm gonna. Me personally, I saw the trailer. And as soon as I saw like half of the half of the roster from Monday Night Raw in the trailer, I'm like, "Fuck, this movie's gonna be bad." <laughs> and here, the, I've I've come to the, the the realization that it's probably gonna be abysmal, but the fact is that you're gonna get a line or two out of there. It's you know, it's like like Anchorman. I watched Anchorman the first time and I thought it was a load of shit. Then I watched it like a second or third time, and before you know it, I'm like, 
wow, I killed him with a trident. I'm like, I can't believe I just said that. You know, that, and this, I see that movie having that sort of an appeal, you know, like Grandma's Boy and that type of a demographic, you know, Hot Rod even, you know, and yeah. referencing Andy Samberg. You know, I, I thought that movie was bullshit too, but there was some funny-ass shit that I borrowed from there. Yeah, well, yeah, no, I think the same thing about MacGruber. Hot Rod was, was like, it was the same guys, but, they like, they wrote that movie. Like, the movie was originally written for Will Ferrell, and so, and then, like, the Lonely Island guys took it over and, and put Andy Samberg in it, and, like, you see some of their stuff, but you could tell, you could tell a lot of it was sort of written for Will Ferrell and didn't really, it didn't really work as much for Andy Samberg, but there was still some definitely funny shit in there. The scene where he's falling down the hill is awesome. The, the scene of falling down the hill and when he's fighting his stepfather, I was done. When yeah. the guy fought it, I was like, wow. And, and you know, I like I like the the guy who played his stepfather because of um of uh, the Deadwood. You know, I was I was like, holy shit, it's swear engine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I was like, oh man, this this is badass. But it, it's the same thing. I think that a majority of the of, of the comedies that are coming out, they're not pushing the envelope the way they should. I'm the, I'm of the the small minority that didn't think The Hangover was as great as everybody made it out to be. I'm kind of so, with you on that one. Yeah, everybody's like, oh, this movie's so fucking funny. I watched it like I'm like, no, you know, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back was funny. This not so much. Yeah, I don't think it was that funny of a script. I think I think uh, you know I like I love Zach Galifianakis. So like when he was out of the, uh, he made he made a ton of it funny. I think I think a lot of best, people that he was had the best part. Yeah, oh, for sure. I think people that weren't necessarily used to Zach Galifianakis and maybe were like seeing him for the first time were like, "Holy shit, this is amazing!" And I'm like, "Yeah, it was pretty good." I mean, it was Zach Galifianakis doing you know being. Awesome, like I expected. <laughs> yeah, and then you know Todd Phillips is a, is a good director, but I don't I don't think it was like that that great of a script. It was kind of like your you, your normal sort of uh, broad Hollywood comedy with the uh, group of guys, and then there's a celebrity cameo in the middle, sort of thing. Yeah, I mean he he made the movie just because of the randomness of his character, which I like, but. I think that they took the opportunity with that movie and they used it to really shove Bradley Cooper down everybody's throat. Yeah. Like I found him, a, I found him he's, he's amusing, but it's not, you know, uh, you know, the end-all, be-all. He worked, but, I mean, he worked for me in that movie, but, yeah, I don't know. There's a, he's starting to get, like, every he's booked in every movie role, and I'm not sure that people are treating him like he's Paul Rudd or something, and I'm like, eh, I don't know. I'm not, not so sure he's... He's not necessarily that guy. Well, I'm more than sure you've seen um, the trailer for uh, Human Centipede. <laughs> yeah. What What do you think? Do you think that they're 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 trying to bring back the whole torture porn genre with that movie, or is this just going to be one of those things where the buzz is going to be very limited, but people are going to be intrigued to see it? Do you think it'll even break top ten? No, I mean it's going to be like a limited audience, you know, that's something I probably thought, hey, I'm going to write, like, the most fucked up thing I can think of, which, you know, I respect that. <laughs> well, you're cutting out a little bit. That's right. He took it, you know, he wrote the most fucked up thing he could think of, and he took it to that level, which is awesome. I, I don't necessarily want to watch it, but <laughs> I, respect I, that. Um, I respect that the guy made it. 
I don't think it's ever going to be like a, a top ten movie at all. But uh, well, I'm going to tell you, I, I did see it. Okay. And yeah, um, here's the thing. I think that when they sat there in, in the studio and they said, "We're going to make a movie about people going ass to mouth," and the guy was like. The, the, the executive was like, are we going to show the astronauts? And they're like, yeah, fuck it, why not? He's like, all right, done, sold. I think it was just a curiosity of seeing ass to mouth that, they, that, that ended up getting this movie made. Because I'll tell you, the movie is your typical, um, it, it's very hostile-ish. You know, foreign environment, you know, foreign crazy guy, you know, young chicks, one heroic dude. It, but but then when they started getting into the more gross-out portions, I was like, holy sh-. even I Even I cringed a little bit because they really took it there. Like, yeah, we're going we're gonna to cut off the tendons of your legs. I'm like, oh, shit. I think that's what we call having a hook. I think it's, that movie's got a good hook. And, yep. <laughs> you know, you can't really take that away from it. Oh, yeah, it's, 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 it's a problem. And, um, you know, with, with the, the only thing I see other than that that's definitely going to be one of those movies that's going to float under the radar and kind of not, you know, not freak out a lot of people but definitely make money is going to be the um, the killer inside me. I actually saw the trailer for it, and I like the way that it went. You know, I like the way that the movie presented itself. Yeah, that one looks you know, pretty messed up, too. Yeah, just an under-the-radar movie that's just going to be badass. I mean, I'm not a big Casey Affleck dude. I think he's kind of passable, but you know, with Jessica Alba in there and Kate Hudson, and 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 anything with John Goodman playing something where he's not being fat and trying to be funny is always good. Yeah. Well, that that pretty much I get that that pretty much wraps it up, man. The you know it, I I know that you're on on the East Coast much like me. I know you're not. Are you running the site now full time? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I've been running it. Yeah pretty much the whole time. Hey, that, that's that's also bad. I mean, you know, that 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 gives me hope that maybe that maybe I I'll reach that level at some point, man. You guys you guys do a great job. It's not, yeah. Yeah, be careful what you wish for. I'll say that. Yeah, let me tell you something. Uh, you know what uh, and and you and you'll probably laugh because you probably were in the same boat. You know what it's like when you're at work in a very mundane job. My job is very office space like uh, you know, cubicles and all that shit. And I'm sitting there just hating everything and, you know, writing posts for the site when I'm supposed to be working and yada, you know, doing, doing a whole bunch of bullshit uh, and, and, you know, trying to build a brand while trying to also be, you know, a, a responsible adult. It, it, it's a fucking pain in the ass. Yeah, I love how, I love how every job you get that, you know, that you sit there in a job interview and you have to convince someone that you're going to give a shit about whatever their stupid business is. And it's like, no one gives a shit about someone else's business. Like everybody's got like this, like a hundred, hundred, 200 employees that, you know, that they, they think they're going to expect to care about whatever it is you're selling. And they never do. They just show, you know, you just got to show up and do what you got to do until you can, until you can go. And then for that five o'clock, that five o'clock bell it would go off, and all they would see was my hard hat hitting the ground, and 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 hear the sound of the door slamming as I walked out the door. So <laughs> I've been there for sure. Yeah, man. I you know I gotta tell I gotta tell you you know no bullshit. You guys do a a badass job, man. And 
you know, I got, I, I commend you, and I, and I appreciate you coming on, man. I, you know, I hope to have you on in the future, especially with all the crazy shit that Hollywood's churning out. Hey, awesome, man. Thank you. All right, brother. I appreciate you coming on, and you know, I'll, I'll, I'll pop it on the site, you know, and I'll hit you up on Twitter as well, just to shoot the shit. But I definitely want to have you on, especially during the, uh, during the big summer push, because I know you're gonna have a lot of crazy shit to talk about. Yeah, I'd love to do it. Thanks for having me on. All right, brother. I appreciate it, man. All right. All right, brother. Have a good night. You too. Later. All right, that was Vince from FilmDrunk.com. Definitely stop by his site and check it out. It's um, FilmDrunk.com. The you know film and drunk together is one word, no space. Dot uh, com. It, it was definitely a uh, an awesome site. Like I said, I read it every morning, and I wasn't even saying it to blow smoke up Vince's ass. The fact is that they put up some funny shit, and I recommend you guys definitely check out the. Um, the Chris Klein doing the Mamma Mia because he is the worst. And also, definitely look for Robert the Head Exploding Tire. I'm not even kidding. It is so bizarre and so freaky that it, it has to be seen. So definitely um, go to Film Drunk and look for the trailer of Rubber. And, <laughs> oh, fuck. I, I just got to say that it's, it, it's disturbing. But um, with that said, um, for those of you that think I may have cut the interview short, uh, I didn't. It's just the fact that I also wanted to squeeze in the movies. I mean, I wanted to squeeze in the game segment, so if you are expecting more movie talk, I will be having uh, Vince back on in the future, so don't think that it's going to be his last appearance. With that said, um, I'm going to take a quick commercial break because I need a drink of water, and we're going to talk about some games because there's a lot of shit going on, and of course, uh, take your calls if you guys decide to call in. All right, I'll be back right after this commercial break. What are we on tonight, even? Tonight at 10 on your local news. I said to Jesus, Jesus, can you say this is the deal of the century, people? I'm telling you. So, Jason, uh, what, what, I mean, what, what are we doing tonight, tumbling with tumbleweed Tuesday nights at 10 p.m.? blogtalkradio.com Eastern Standard Time. Do you even know? Jason? Jason, are you there? Hey, everybody. This is Donnie Anderson from Tumbling with Tumbleweed, and I'm here with my daughter, Sophia, who has a very special message for all of you. Sophie? <gasps> Listen to Tumbling with Tumbleweed, or my daddy will kill you. <laughs> nights at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Blog Talk Radio Network. All right, and we're back. Let's talk some games. Last week, I discussed a little bit of the MPD numbers that were put out. They actually put out a formal report this week talking about the top 20 game sales for the month of April. The top 10 list, of course, I discussed, but now they went a little deeper in going into the top 20. Now, the fact of the matter is a couple of numbers that that definitely jumped out at me. Off the bat, of course, Splinter Cell was number one. Pokemon Soul Silver was two. Mario Brothers Wii was three. Heart Gold Pokemon was four. God of War three was five. Wii Sports Resort was six. Bad Company for the 360 was seven. Wii Fit Plus with eight was eight. Just Dance was nine, and Super Street Fighter four on the PS3 was ten. 
Now, it's funny because there, there were a lot of really good titles that came out um, in the month of April. But the, it seems that the, the, the standard, you know, Mario, God of War, Sports Resort, those guys really are holding on, and they're moving a lot of units even this far out from their release. The, uh, the numbers after number 10 were, were crazy, too, just for some of the titles that went in there. Number 11 was Monster Hunter Try. I expected that to be a lot, a lot more successful, especially because there was a good marketing push and a great marketing campaign behind it. Um, Grand Theft Auto Episodes of Liberty City for the PS3 was... Uh, I'm surprised that it, that, it, that it cracked that kind of a number scheme. I mean, the majority of the people on the PS3, not to say that they're not, but I really don't think that they're playing GTA as much as I expected it to be. But surprisingly enough, they really moved some decent numbers to hit the number 12 spot. New Super Mario Brothers on the DS was number 13. Super Street Fighter 4 for the 360 sold 108,000 units for number 14. Battlefield Bad Company for the PS3 sold less than 100,000. Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, of course, still in a list was number 16. MLB The Show was 17. Mario Kart Wii is 18. Modern Warfare for the PS3 was 19. And MLB 2K10 for the 360 was 20. Um, the fact of the matter is that I'm bothered by a few things. Number one, every game that's on there for the Wii is an old title. And, you know, this is going to go back to the typical old hat discussion I have about the Wii not putting out consistent games. Um, I really am looking forward to the next rat, the next set of NPD numbers for the simple fact that, you know, you've got Mario Galaxy 2 coming out. I want to see if that can at least crack the top ten. Odds are it is, but I just want to see if it continues to lead to the fact, you know, it lends validity to the fact that first-party games are the only thing that are, that are giving Nintendo that huge boost in sales. I mean, Monster Hunter Tribe came out from, from another company, but the fact is that it didn't even crack the top ten. So, and that's with a good marketing push and media and commercials behind it. Um, I actually want to try and play Monster Hunter. I'll probably see if I can pick that up, and I actually want to pick up the, uh, that classic controller pro for um, Tatsunoko versus Capcom and some of the other games. I really like the way the controller looks, and I think Nintendo's on to something. Also, in sticking with the Nintendo theme, there's been a release of a new controller that's being made that um, was submitted for approval. It looks like they may be creating a new Wiimote that has the Motion Plus integrated within the remote. That's what it seems to be. Other people are saying that it's going to be some sort of a Bluetooth type of remote that they're going to be releasing. The specifics aren't fully out there yet, but the fact is that you know, it's nice that Nintendo's doing all this, but, you know, games are key here. Um, I, I, again, I'm, I'm really holding out hope for Mario Galaxy 2 and Metroid Other M. Um, hopefully that it'll help Nintendo get a little bit more in terms of home console sales because the fact is that, you know, the DS is what's helping them make all this money. Um, but, again, we'll see what happens with the MPD numbers next month. I mean, there's, like I said, some really great titles came out. It's probably going to be a no-brainer that Red Dead Redemption is going to be number one. Um, a buddy of mine actually came through yesterday, and he showed me the game. I don't know. I'm just not feeling the Western vibe, but um, it, I, I, it is really a really great-looking game. It has a great, engaging story. Just, it, it just wasn't my speed. So I, I may give it a rental from Gamefly, but it's not going to be something that I'm going to go and drop 60 bucks for. Uh, before we go into our before I go into my next bit of news, 
I see that Slick has his hand raised in the switchboard, so I think he has some stuff to add. Let's bring him in, shall we? Slick, you're on the air. What's up, man? What's going on, sir? Uh, just calling about the whole April thing and uh, with the changes with the Wii and everything. Um, you said that the original New Super Mario Brothers for the DS outsold the 360 version of Super Street Fighter 4? That is correct. Wow. You see what I'm saying, dude? And and it's, it's first-party Nintendo titles. And, and again, it's a testament to, to, you know, the quality that Nintendo puts out for first-party stuff. I don't know how Capcom is feeling, but I also got to take into consideration that Super Street Fighter 4, the controller for the PS3, is much more Super Street Fighter 4 friendly. While the Xbox Live version has a better match, has better matchmaking in terms of, you know, just the way that Xbox Live helps set it up. Yeah, um... The whole community thing and, you know, better voice chat, it's it's surprising to see Super Street Fighter, well, in this case, Street Fighter, period, sell better on the PS3 versus the 360, even though, of course, a lot of people will contest that the controller is much better for, you know, just the standard controller versus using a stick is better for the the, the um, PS3 versus the 360. But just the fact that a two-year-old DS game... <laughs> yeah, I know where this is going. ...outsold the freaking 360 version... The 360 anything, really. Yep. Uh, new Super Mario Brothers for the DS. Here's here's where these companies should should wonder what they did wrong. It outsold Super Street Fighter 4 for the 360. Battlefield Bad Company on the PS3. It outsold Call of Duty, but you know you're outselling a game that's a billion dollar franchise. That's you know that's like saying you slept with the ugliest chick in the room. You know you're not gaining anything. Um, MLB 2010, Mario Kart Wii, Call of Duty for the PS3, and MLB. Um, 2K10, all outsold by New Super Mario Brothers on the DS. All of them. It's like it's like it's like they they should really sit back and be like, what the fuck? It's like where does where does Nintendo get those wonderful toys? You know. Nothing. You're right there. Oh, looks like Slick dropped out. I will see if he calls back. Wow, he dropped out completely, like, off this planet. <laughs> All right, he's dialing back in. Slick. No idea what happened, man. No, it happens, dude. No, what I was saying was, you know, those, you know, it outsold some, some really marquee titles. And, you know, it's just a testament, like I said, to where, you know, they got to be asking themselves where, you know, what is Nintendo doing right, you know? You gotta give them credit what credit is due. And as far as like the the um, Wii, you're saying that a new Wii Mode might come out with Wii Motion Plus built in. They're not exactly, but sort of doing that already because, like I told you, I picked up the the new the new box Wii for for my mom for Mother's Day. It comes standard. Uh, the um 
the Wiimotion Plus is already connected to the Wiimote. Right, and, but um, it's but it's a still a separate piece. It's it's a separate piece. They the way they package it, you know the um, what do you call it the <laughs> the Wii condom. Yeah. It's already wrapped. It's already wrapped around the controller, and the the um, the Wii Motion Plus is in it. And you actually would have to disconnect it to to use the Wii Motion separately. Ah, wrapped for his and her pleasure, I think. Exactly. Well, you got to ask yourself now that you got your mom the bluey, you know the black the, the black Wii. Um, <laughs> you you were um, you were saying that you know she's been playing it a lot. Did, you know, yeah, did, I mean, it, how did how, and and this can actually testify to to what the Wii is really geared towards. What is your mom playing the most? <laughs> right, I mean, right now my mom only has um, the Wii Sports and the Wii Sports Resort because even though it's got the cheapest games out, you know, she's retired. She doesn't have money to just be dropping on on video games like you or me. Right, but. I told her that you know Mario Galaxy is coming out this this weekend. She's interested in that. She probably would be interested in like the Zelda titles and the stuff like Tomb Raider, stuff like that. I mean, these are games that she plays now. Well, you know, it's funny because you're. I, I was hoping that you would say that your mom plays, you know, Wii Sports religiously. The only reason is that they're really. Nintendo's making a, a, a newer push, and, you know, the, I'm just used citing your mom as the example. They're really going for the older demographic with, with the Wii in general because, you know, uh, the, the Wii recently was going to get a seal of approval from the, from the American Heart Association, you know, with the Vitality Center and stuff. And, you know, when you start getting into the American Heart Association and shit like that, that translates to please old people play this. It's true. I mean, my mother hits the gym freaking five days a week. If she can't hit the gym, she'll play the way. There you go. See, so that that kind of that, you know that, that actually proved that actually proved my point. See, like they're really going for that demographic, but they're not doing it outright. But they're kind of slipping it in there because I've I've read over the last few weeks that they're starting to put the Wii in you know in senior centers and stuff like that to give to give old people a new type of activity to do. Oh my God! So you're gonna be breaking TVs and breaking each other's jaws. Yep, but, but you know what it is? Nintendo is being smart because they they figured that they're not gonna get the 18 to 30 demographic. You know, Sony and Microsoft own that demographic right now. So they figured we gotta go with small children, young children, and senior citizens. There's nothing wrong with that. I think it's a very smart ploy. Get in where you fit in. And like I said before, it's like the new Wii is basically a disguised uh, Wii price drop. Yes. You get 70 bucks a package goodies for the same price that the day before it came out, you got just the Wii and Wii Sports. Yep. Very well, very well played by Nintendo. Very well played. As far as, like, the um, the sales numbers... I want to see May because May's a, a much bigger month than than April was. 
because really the only thing anybody that I know of was looking forward to was Super Street Fighter 4 in April, and apparently that didn't do so great. But this month we got Red Dead. There was Split Second, which really didn't capture my interest, but a few people I know were looking forward to that. And, of course, we got Mario Galaxy this weekend, which, I mean, I'm actually, I might actually hit a, you know, a midnight line for. Really? It's a possibility. Depends. It depends on who's going. Well, we'll see what happens. I'll see. I'll see if I if I take that trip with you, man. I don't know about it, but we'll see. I mean, I'm gonna get the shit. I don't know if I'm gonna get it on a week. I don't get paid, but we'll see what happens. All right, man. All right, my brother. Thanks for calling in. Thanks for the right. hard work you put in behind the scenes, by the way. No problem, man. I'll talk to you later. All right, man. Later. All right. A um, couple of interesting things. Um, of course, there's going to be a Guitar Hero 6 coming out. It's a no-brainer. If nobody expected that to happen, you're, you're obviously smoking something. The fact is Activision seemed to have learned their lesson after all the bullshit that happened with Kurt Cobain and Guitar Hero 5 and No Doubt. Um, it seems that they're going to go with not allowing you to play the game as real-life rockers. You know, you're going to get, you know, Lars Ulrich and Gene Simmons in the game in the quest mode, and um, it seems that you're not going to be able to play as them. You're going to have them with you, but you're not going to be able to play as them. Um, basically, what they're introducing for Guitar Hero 6 is the following, and I'll read you this excerpt. People like Metallica drummer Lars Ulrich and KISS frontman Gene Simmons will be in the game in the new quest mode, which allows players to recruit other rockers and unlock their song sets, as well as their respective alter egos, which give you bonuses. Lars becomes Warrior Lars, for example, and one of the powers available gives you a 6x multiplier instead of a 4x. The Guitar Hero 6 will include songs from Queen, Black Sabbath, and KISS, as well as downloadable songs and CBGB is confirmed to be the only real-life venue in the game. The new installment is said to have a back-to-basics approach. The fact is that um, the Guitar Hero games, uh, they've become a new source of income and revenue for um, artists, and I see no harm in that. I mean, if it's another way for, for artists to make money and, you know, have their their stuff get exposure, I'm all for it. Even if it's, you know, one particular track you like to play, I actually got introduced to quite a bit of music that I actually ended up enjoying by playing some of the Guitar Hero games. You know, of course, it's a, it's a mindless wash and repeat, but, but a lot of times you can just pick up one of them, you know, for cheap and then just start downloading the downloadable content. It, it's, that, that's the way shit works, man. But um, definitely it's good that they're going in the direction of not using the real-life rockers because obviously this is creating a lot of headache for Activision. Courtney Love gave a, a lot of beef because of Cobain in, in Guitar Hero 5, and of course the whole No Doubt situation didn't help matters either. For those of you that are fans of Scribblenauts, uh, take heart in the fact that Warner Brothers Interactive has officially announced Super Scribblenauts, which of course will be the sequel to Scribblenauts. It's a no-brainer there. The game will see release in the fall of 2010. Um, a major addition to the game that they're adding is the ability to use adjectives to modify the objects you create. According to Warner Brothers, the color, size, style, behaviors, and many other aspects will be able to be changed. Multiple adjectives can be combined together to produce incredibly creative objects, such as gentlemanly flaming flying zombies and a purple obese winged elephant. 
allowing the player's imagination to run wild for an even more inspired and individual experience than ever before, the statement continued. I actually um, haven't tried Scribblenauts. I've heard great things about it, but um, those of you that are fans of it, you can look forward to number two in the fall. Um, there's rumors going around that Sony will be announcing a premium paid subscription for the PlayStation Network at E3. Um, they're saying that the free accounts will remain, but um, they're going to try and do something new and give you bonus downloads and new features. Um, the premium features that they're going to have is that you're going to get some free, some free games every month, and they're going to add a couple of other new little bits of functionality. I am really not sure if people are going to be so inclined to pay for a premium PSN network. Personally, I think that, you know, with Xbox Live, you're already kind of paying out the ass. Not paying out the ass, but, you know, you're, you're paying for, for the online component. Um, PlayStation, I think, definitely needs to do some serious overhaul to the PSN network before they insist on charging you for it. Um, them continuing to keep the free network is fine, but I want to see what kind of a incentive you're going to have to partake in playing uh, the premium, you know, paying a premium for online gaming on the PS3. Um, you know, E3 is right around the corner, so we're going to see if they drop that. In sticking with the Sony rumors, there's also a rumor going around that they're going to announce a new PlayStation Portable or PSP2. Some of the possible features that have been mentioned are two cameras, one forward-facing and one backward-facing. Um, it will be touchscreen, and it will keep the buttons as well. They're going to have uh, 3G capability enabled already in the phone, and they're trying to decide if they're going to have it on full-time or if you're going to need to pay for it to allow full mobile access. I think that the 3G functionality is going to be cool, especially if you have things like Skype and stuff like that accessible. I think it's Sony's veiled attempt to add some sort of phone functionality to the PSP. I don't know how great it's going to be, but... I, it, the, the PSP needs some kind of a spark because the PSP Go is not working. Um, it's going to be running a four-core a four cell CPU, which is pretty much a half, half the power of the PlayStation 3. In the portable, the PlayStation 3 runs an eight-core cell CPU, and there's a, a pretty good uh, rumor going around that it will debut at E3. Um, they're saying that dev kits and demo models are already in the hands of developers, um, I think it's going to be good for the PlayStation Portable to get some sort of a refresh. I don't know if they're going to go and move any units, you know, especially with the 3DS right around the corner, the iPad, and such a, a diverse um, portable gaming landscape out there. But definitely something different out of Sony for the PSP may be just what it needs to help it move some more units. I mean, again, it's one of those things where they, they really have to make sure that they make it appealing and not too expensive because innovation is going to cost money. Now, it's just a matter of the money's, you know, comparable to something like the DS or ridiculous to the point of the PSP Go. I wish them the best of luck. I want to see them uh, continue to hold a place in the portable gaming market, and hopefully they'll put out a solid handheld that will do just that. We'll see what happens. Um, just in case you guys want to discuss that or any of the stuff we've discussed, the call in number is 347 324 3541. Um, also, a lot of Sony news this week. Um, it seems that they may be a redesign for the Sony XMB crossbar. The XMB 
was originally revealed for the PlayStation 2-based DVR in Japan, and they may be looking to do something similar to that. The rumor actually came from Cheapy D from the Cheap Ass Gamer podcast. I'm actually giving him a shout-out. Um, he said that the Sony PS3 is getting a completely redesigned X-Cross media bar, like totally new. Not just like new columns, but totally redone. Um, he went on to say that, the, that it will be debuting that. In e- they went on to add to the rumor by saying that you may see it at E3. Whether that's true or not remains to be seen. I mean, I have no issue with the PlayStation interface right now. Um, one of the things that I'm actually going to go off a little bit on was the announcement today of Google TV. For those of you that are um, real hardcore tech enthusiasts, I definitely recommend you check it out. Um, it's, it's basically Google's attempt to compete with the Apple TV with something more um, by really put, making a, a hard case in putting the Internet on your television without the necessity of a PC. Um, pretty much the technology that they're putting out is going to interact with whatever cable box or DVR you had. But they're also partnering with Sony and allowing the Google TV functionality to be included in their new TVs. Now, the reason I wanted to go into this is because there's this rumor of the Sony, Sony's new crossbar may be the fact that they're actually partnering with Google for the web TV. So they may add something along those lines, web TV capability, to the PlayStation 3. Um, whether that's going to allow you to see Hulu or stuff like that remains to be seen. But this is something I definitely am looking forward to seeing how it plays out. So if you haven't checked out Google TV, um, definitely go to you know Gizmodo or Engadget and check it out because that may be the future of what programming is going to look like on the PS3. So definitely check that out for sure. Um, Ubisoft released in a recent financial report that they sold nearly 9 million units of Assassin's Creed 2 from its November 2009 release through the end of March. Um, also announced was the fact that Assassin's Creed Brotherhood will have a multiplayer beta. There was no release date as of yet, but the CEO, Yves Gilmott, said that the game would be on display at E3. So if you're a fan of Assassin's Creed, keep an eye out for a new multiplayer beta that will be coming out in the near future. Those of you that are on Xbox Live today got to see some of the new avatars that were released for the 30th anniversary of The Empire Strikes Back. Um, LucasArts, of course, is releasing a whole bunch of new costumes, which is just another way for them to continue to separate you from your money. But if you actually give a shit about it, here are the costumes that were released. The Imperial Stormtrooper for male and female, Boba Fett for male and female, Lando Calrissian's costume, Chewbacca, a Rebel Snowspeeder pilot, Han Solo's Hoth outfit, Princess Leia's Hoth outfit, Bosk, C-3PO, an eighth, an Atad pilot, and a Tauntaun pet. You also got a Yoda ear baseball cap and a brand new Yoda lightsaber, which is actually kind of cool because when you do equip it on your avatar, it adds, you know, a little bit of that Yoda fighting style. So if you want to check that out, just head over to Xbox Live now and go and customize your avatar with some Star Wars stuff. Um, last week... I discussed EA's attempt at wanting to charge you $10 to allow multiplayer functionality on used games. Looks like EA is not alone. IGN is reporting that THQ has confirmed that they will be using a one-time online code to access the multiplayer for UFC's 2010 Undisputed on the PlayStation 3 and the Xbox 360. The code is going to compact with new copies of the game. People buying the game used will have to pay $5, a $5 access fee if the code has already been redeemed. THQ said the following, 
THQ is delivering a truly unmatched online gaming experience for fans of the UFC and across all fighting games in general, the company said in a statement. The main enhancement of UFC Undisputed's premium online content is the new fight camp mode, which is actually pretty innovative, in which players can assemble ranks, assemble ranks of up to 40 people and train together. This is a significant value add-on as players can continually improve their skills by training with their friends and bringing teams of MMA specialists together. One-time access use codes continue to be a growing trend in the industry. The fact is that EA already got the ball rolling with their whole $10 for a used game, you know, for a used game, and it's going to be starting with Tiger Woods. And THQ is jumping on board with 5 bucks for access to the online component. Uh, is this something that you guys had real issue with in terms of buying a game used and having to play, uh, pay an extra $5 to get multiplayer? Um, this is something I definitely want to hear back from you guys, whether through the forum or the Facebook fan page or even if you guys decide to call in. I really want to know if your, if your used gaming purchase will be affected and if it will be a factor that you have to pay $5 or possibly 10 to get online capability. So definitely I want to hear from you guys on that. I'm actually going to create a post in the forum to get some of your thoughts as well as the Facebook fan page. Um, but this is definitely going to be a trend that I see happening with more and more companies, especially if it becomes successful for EA, that they're going to keep getting this much revenue out of people. We'll see how it plays out, but it's going to be something that I think it's going to do more harm than good. In the last bit of video game news, Sega has informed um, the general public that the Sonic the Hedgehog 4 Episode 1 has been pushed back to the second half of 2010 in order to allow more development time. So we'll see what happens. Um, I see that Johnny Boy in the chat is asking about what I just asked. Um, it wasn't about the uh, PS3 online. I was asking about the fact that in order for you to get uh, multiplayer on a used game, say it's uh, an EA title, or the newest UFC game, you're going to actually have to pay $5 in THQ's case or EA $10 in order to get online capability in a used game. So basically, if you're buying the game used, you're going to get a crippled game that's going to have no multiplayer, which you can only enable by paying the publisher $5 or $10. And I personally feel that this is going to be detrimental um, to a lot of gamers just because it's just another, another thing that we have to lay out money for. In discussing this with Josh last week, um, you know, Josh brought up a valid point that games depreciate over time just like cars. I mean, the fact is, if you pay 25 bucks for a game and you've got to pay an extra 5 bucks, you're still getting a fairly good price for a used game. The thing that just bugs me is the fact that they're going through uh, such an underhanded way about it. Instead of it being unified across the board where everybody's going to charge 5 bucks, EA's going to charge 10 THQ's going to charge 5 Who knows? Maybe Ubisoft will charge 250 If you're going to do this, then at least make it uniform. But the, I think what's going to happen is a lot of gamers are just going to shy away from buying the used product, and they're just going to plunk down the 60 bucks, and then the used market is going to take a hit. Like I said, there's going to be a way that somebody's really going to pay the price here, whether it's going to be the customer on the back end or the publisher initially. It's just the fact that either people are going to get mad and not buy titles from that publisher, or it's going to be something where other companies are going to embrace it, and this is just going to be another step to continue separating us from our money. Um, I think that pretty much sums it up for this week. Um, I got into most of the movie stuff. Again, 
Um, I apologize if you thought that the short the show was short. Um, it's just been you, you know how it is when the weather gets a little warmer. There's less and less news out there, but. I did want to take the opportunity again to thank Vince from FilmDrunk.com. Got to give him his shout-out. Um, just want to give a couple of plugs to a couple of people. RazorClothing.tv, of course. Uh, that's Razor Rob's clothing company. Uh, Razor Rob will be fighting uh, in July, so definitely got to give him a shout-out. GoCreedGo.com is the website for Austin Creed. Um, hardcore gamer, pro wrestler, all-around cool guy. He was a great guest as well. Um, ocremix.org, of course, without question. Uh, drinkdocs.com, that's Dr. Armand Dorian's vitamin water. He is the medical specialist from The Deadliest Warrior. Of course, got to give a shout-out to Jeff DeMoline. You can go to his site, jeffdemoline.com, and check out his new GTD clothing line, which is really cool. He's got some really innovative designs on there. Um, of course, girlgamer.com, they continue to support My Take Radio, and I'm actually working on a new project, which they will be involved in in the near future. MMAgospel.com, of course, if you're an MMA fan, you can catch their show Wednesdays at 8 p.m. on the Blog Talk Radio Network. Shout out to Don Anderson from Tumbling with Tumbleweed. You can catch his show Tuesdays at 10 p.m. Um, MMAvalor.com, uh, if you're interested in some really cool MMA gear or are just an MMA fan looking for uh, another community to interact with, head over to MMAValor.com, of course. Darksiders.com for always supporting the show. HaydenDalton.wordpress.com. Uh, Hayden is actually already at work with Darksiders 2. Um, I've seen a couple of things that he's been putting up in terms of just little nuggets of information. Uh, rest assured, he will be back soon uh, to start talking about Darksiders 2 because I hear it's going to be really good. Um, Cleveland Sports Radio, as always, and the VGN Radio Network for being supportive. Born Stubber Radio, check those guys out. They provide some of the kick-ass commercials you hear, and they are uh, definitely a different type of podcast. They cover so much stuff. It's just I, can, I can't even do the show justice by going into all the stuff they cover, but stop in and check them out. 411mania.com for all their great news. And, um, again, Thanks to Vince from FilmDrunk.com for stopping in. You've just listened to My Take Radio, episode 43, for Thursday, May 20th, 2010. If you want to email the show with any general inquiries or if you're interested in being a guest, you can email me directly at mtrhost at gmail.com. If you're doing any of the social networking sites, if you're on Twitter, you can follow my personal account, twitter.com slash akuma25. Or you can follow the show account at twitter.com slash mytakeradio. Of course, for those of you that still use MySpace, you can look for My Take Radio on MySpace. It's myspace.com slash mytakeradio. And if you're on Facebook, look us up on the Facebook fan page. With that being said, Epic NES can take us out. And I'm done for this week. I will see you guys next week. Thank you all for listening. Thanks for the support as always. Catch you guys later. Peace.